All right. Welcome to Truth Culture Life. I am Royce Hood. It is so nice to be with you today. And this is the, I am recording this on the Feast of the Presentation. Wow. As we celebrate the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, may his light guide our steps, his love fill our hearts, and his wisdom illuminate our path. Amen. That was a post by the Benedictine sisters, and specifically, I'm trying to scroll down here, the Benedictine Sisters of Perpetual Adoration, celebrating 150 years of prayer. So congratulations to those sisters. I follow them on Twitter, now known as X. And for those of you listening to Truth Culture Life, again, I'm Royce Hood. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at Royce Hood. Now, so, okay, Father Orsi's not here today. He'll be back very, very soon, I promise. He is working on a really exciting project right now in Naples, and he and I are actually going to be together next month, and you are invited. We will be together for the second annual Naples Summit, and during that time, we'll be recording some episodes together in between. He's got a a show that he's working on right now that's taking up a lot of his free time, so it's easier for me just to crank this out independently, but we'll have him back soon, I promise, so stay tuned. But the Naples Summit is going to be it's going to be really interesting. This is the second year. And for those that have been listening to this program for a while, we've spoken about it already. But for those that haven't, aren't familiar with it, it's basically a Law of Life Summit, which is something I I host every year in Washington, D.C. We just had one in uh, D.C. before the March for Life. But the Naples Summit is a little bit different. It's a very much a retreat as well as a community service project. But then we also have training. So day one, we're going to do excursions with pro-life leaders where we get off the sidewalk, we get out of the boardroom, and we we sort of get together, get to know each other, have some fun, and it has a, a retreat component. And we're going to be doing dolphin boat rides this year in the Gulf of Mexico, which would be really, really exciting. Space is really, really limited for that. And those excursions you have to sign up for separate if you're interested in coming down to Naples and being with us, you can. And then that night, we're planning on going out to Ave Maria Town for a tour. And last year, we ended up doing a pep rally with the students. So hopefully, we'll be able to pull that off again. The following day, day two of the Naples Summit, we have trainings. And really exciting this year, we're going to have best practices for pregnancy centers. We're going to have a tour of a mobile pregnancy unit bus we're going to have legal updates from some from lawyers. Hopefully, I think we're hopefully going to have some attorneys from Thomas Moore and we're inviting people from ADF as well. And then we're going to have a marketing panel. And then last but not least, from Leadership Institute, winning pro-life legislation as well. And then the final day is the most fun. We actually go to a maternity home and bring gifts to the moms and to the babies, followed by a keynote lunch. And the whole thing is done by two o'clock on Friday so people can get home for the weekend. Or if they're uh, like me, they'll plan on bringing the family and staying in Naples for the weekend. So tons of fun. March 20th through the 22nd, we you know network, galvanize leadership within the movement, and hopefully walk away with some real useful strategy in defending the sanctity of human life. It's it's really interesting how big of an issue the pro-life argument has become post-Dobbs. You know, just being up in Washington, D.C. and seeing, you know, this a remarkable march for life. And seeing, you know, if, if for those of you that are listening, I don't know how many of, 
of the listeners at Catholic Spirit Radio uh, or for this podcast are on X, but going on to to Twitter, it's it's really really interesting to to see the interaction amongst pro-lifers with the general public. And there's this certain militancy with particularly on the pro-abortion side that we see. For example, you know, the, the pro-life side is, is very peaceful and tends to be very, very prayerful and very, I would say, you know, respecting of human life at all stages. Cecile Richards, the former president of and CEO of Planned Parenthood, who was, you know, really just during her career, an outspoken, zealous advocate for the pro-abortion argument. And she was militantly against the pro-life message to the point of being downright nasty. I mean, threatening people like Abby Johnson with lawsuits. In fact, uh, Planned Parenthood sued Abby Johnson at least once. And to just all sorts of just shenanigans. Well, turns out Cecile Richards has just uh, published that she has been diagnosed with cancer and uh, has uh, pretty serious cancer from what I can gather. And it's just, you know, bits and pieces that you get on social media. And what is the response? Pro-lifers are sharing the post about her and encouraging people to pray for her, pray for her healing, pray for her conversion. Now think about that for a second. Somebody who, during her time of leadership at the biggest abortion mill in the world, would, you know, really just just have no issue showing her disdain for the people on the sidewalks. Those very people are praying for her now. They never stopped. We've been praying for people like that from day one. And that's the movement. Wow. That is the movement in a nutshell. And I remind people, you know, the Bible is filled with sinners who became saints. You know, maybe they weren't declared saints in the Bible, but you get the idea, right? The least likely sometimes had the most extraordinary conversions. And so we pray, you know, for those conversions, just like we pray for our own conversions. I mean, conversion is a daily process. It's something that we we try to do every day. Tom Monahan, the founder of Domino's Pizza, who was the also the founder of the law school I went to, was asked once, and I've, I've said this, I've shared this quote a few times on this program, but I just, it's one of my favorite quotes, was asked once, you know, you know, Tom, do you consider yourself to be a good Catholic? And he paused and he said, no, no, I don't. And everybody was kind of shocked by that. There's a guy that has sold his business and has given so much to the church. He's built mother houses for different religious orders. He's built orphanages. He's helped fund hospitals in other countries that people don't even know about because he doesn't seek publicity for this stuff. He's launched Ave Maria University, the law school, uh, and then the town Ave Maria as well, dedicated to Our Lady. So how could he say he's not a good Catholic? But his answer, his follow-up was just profound and so beautiful and, and you know humbling to hear, I'm not a good Catholic, but I'm trying to be. Whoa, I think we could all take something from that and can learn from it. So without further ado, again, you're listening to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. Starting next week, I will start to feature guests again. I do not have any guests planned for this weekend because I thought what I would do, I'm testing a few things out production-wise and hoping to uh, introduce a few new segments as we approach the spring, 
including if I can pull it off the production, a few skits, which I think will be entertaining and interesting. So today I'm just going to ramble. You'll have to bear with me. But next week, we've got some special guests joining us from Sophia Institute, some authors with new books coming out. So stay tuned for that. And this weekend, you're going to hear about, we're going to be talking about x.com, which you may know as Twitter. I just want to kind of get into it. Twitter is remarkable. And I guess it's called X. I got to get, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks. I got to remember the name is X now. But it is remarkable. Since Elon Musk purchased X, purchased Twitter and changed the name to X, he got rid of, he fired like, was it three quarters of the staff? And it's actually, it's, it's actually running more efficiently than it did before with all the bureaucracy. He got rid of the misinformation gatekeeper, these quote unquote lefties who basically shadow banned as well as suppressed tweets by conservatives, as well as anybody that questioned things like the vaccine or questioned the election or questioned even lefty politics. And I say lefty on purpose. It, it, it literally was like nine out of 10 times censorship in, on, under Twitter, under the prior structure before Musk took over. They were actually cooperating with the federal government to censor speech of, of American citizens. And it's, it's fascinating I still use Facebook. You know, I, I know there's a ton of other platforms, Instagram, and I don't even know. You know, there's all, Rumble and all these other things. But particularly on Facebook, you know, I, I, I have a network on there of, I don't know, 2,500 followers or something like that. And I see the interactions of people. And I, I, I see regularly people saying, oh, we just got out of Facebook jail. Our account was blocked for a week because we posted something that, you know, they didn't agree with. You know, that was happening on Twitter. And Musk exposed it all. And probably about a six months or so ago when Sierra was still with us, we covered the Twitter files, how Musk released all the internal emails showing collusion from on the government side uh, with the Twitter staff to literally censor and ban different accounts on, on the, the social networking site. And that 100% impacted everything from the, the 2020 election to, to just the general mainstream narrative that people, you know, live, live and breathe every day. So what is that? What is the mainstream narrative? What do I mean by that? It's phenomenal in real time. If you are on Twitter, x.com, and you follow the right accounts in real time, you can actually witness now, it's, un, it's, un, it's unbelievable, events occurring literally in real time. We can, we're watching, you know, C-SPAN clips of votes taking place in D.C. to, you know, bad news, catastrophes, you know, war, whatever it might be, comments by celebrities or just regular people. You're, we're seeing things in real time. And it's fascinating to then look at the news, look at the headlines, and see how those occurrences are spun or ignored or, you know, just completely changed. Like the narratives are changed in the mainstream media. It's fascinating. I'll try to post some examples of this online, but just just phenomenal how quickly the narrative in the mainstream press takes hold. And oftentimes it's delayed by, I've seen it delayed up to a day to several hours. So in other words, something will occur live 
and it'll be shared almost instantaneously on x.com. And then several hours later, the headlines will come out about that occurrence. And it's just remarkable to see sort of what's happening in real time and then, and then witness that change in the press. So hang tight. I'm going to be, I'm going to share some examples of this shortly, but what I'm getting at is, wow, do we, can we trust the mainstream media? Who are they? Who do they work for? Are they unbiased? Are they objective? Or are they paid propagandists? And I think the latter, there is really no more objectivity, generally speaking, in the mainstream media. It's, it's as if they've turned into publicity arms for different political organizations. So hang tight. I'm going to take a quick break at Truth Culture Live, and I'll be right back. Have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station, 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. A warm welcome. Welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and catholicspiritradio.com. All right, welcome back to Truth Culture Life. I'm Royce Hood. I was talking about X and the impact X.com has had on the national narrative. And it's amazing to see the resistance by the mainstream media. I'll give you an example, and a couple of examples are interesting. These may not seem significant, and I'm sure I'm going to come up with better examples later. But for example, anytime, and we talked about this before, the Associated Press is the most militant with respect to its policies. 
on addressing anything related to the pro-life movement, if they address it at all, they absolutely unequivocally never refer to pro-lifers as pro-lifers. They refer only to pro-lifers as anti-abortionists or anti-abortion advocates or anti-abortion extremists even. Anytime they refer to the pro-life movement, they utilize negative terminology versus positive terminology. And this is not a coincidence or an accident. It is orchestrated and it is intentional. The Associated Press last year, back in early 2023, published a Associated Press topical guide on addressing anti-abortion or addressing women's rights, as they call it. And so in that guide, it instructs all of any reporters or, or editors associated with the Associated Press, and Reuters uses this as well a lot of times, uh, you are to use this language. You're never to, for example, publish a story about a woman that regrets her abortion. That will not get edited. You are to refer to pro-lifers, again, as anti-abortion protesters or whatnot. Now, other examples, and this is, this is great. You may have seen a headline recently that the Senate and the and I from the Associated Press, how they spin things. Let's see if I can find it. I just had it here a second ago. Uh, basically alluding to senators reach a deal on border bill policy. All right, or Congress reaches a deal on border policy with bipartisan support. Well, and again, I'm not trying to bash any political parties here, although it's it's sort of fun to do sometimes. Bipartisan support, that's the headline. So what does that mean? Well, according to what I was able to ascertain on, on Twitter, and this is by Byron Daniels. Oh, sorry, I've got a thing going on in the background. Congressman Byron Donalds posted this yesterday. Republicans voted overwhelmingly in favor of a bill that would require deporting illegal immigrants. It received 215 votes from Republicans. It received 150 nays from Democrats. It ultimately passed. And this is a bit different, I guess, in the Senate bill. But the idea being that, look, if somebody causes a DUI, if somebody commits a violent crime, if they commit social security fraud, they're not paying taxes and they apply for social security benefits, then they could be effectively deported if they cross the border illegally and they commit a crime, right? Not just if they cross the border illegally, but if they cross the border illegally and they commit a crime and drunk driving being the big, the big one, 150 Democrats voted against the bill and the Biden White House is opposed to it. So the bill gets passed, goes up to the Senate, the Senate is probably just going to table it. But it's just interesting. Like the media is just totally silent on this. Why would you want to vote against if somebody's here illegally? Now, you know, why would you want to vote against deporting them if they're committing crimes in this country and they're not even supposed to be here in the first place? I don't I just don't understand it. And it's interesting. It's sort of a quandary, I guess, because you know, I've I've gotten to know the Benedictines and Benedictine theology quite a bit. And the theology there is really simple. You treat everybody like they're Jesus. But that doesn't mean they don't necessarily lock their doors at night. And for the people that are, you know, oh, we, you know, we can't and we shouldn't 
prevent anybody from coming into this country. You know, the question I always ask them, well, do you lock your door at night? Do you shut your windows? Do you lock your car? If you don't, then maybe you have an argument to, you know, letting everybody in. But if you're, if you take any reasonable steps to protect your safety in your home, then is it not also reasonable for a sovereign nation to do the same thing to protect its borders, to protect its citizens? And who are these people coming in? There have been numerous headlines on X and over the last couple of days showing videos. And I've got some of these at Royce Hood. If you go to twitter.com or x.com at Royce Hood, you can see these. Of These aren't just people from Mexico coming in. There's literally trucks and buses dropping people off at the border and they're literally just walking right in. We've got one group had a dozen or so Chinese nationals. Another group had a dozen or so Middle Easterners. Another group had a dozen or so people from India. And, and then also of obviously the different countries in South America. And they're all men. Where are the children? It's crazy. If you look at these videos, they, we, we hear a lot about children trafficking, and that happens a ton with the open borders. I mean, people are trafficking in children, and a lot of these kids get sold into you know, the, the sex trafficking business, which is disgusting that that's even a thing. And it, it's huge in the United States, which is also disgusting. But a lot of these big viral videos showing like groups of dozens of people sneaking across the border, and they're not even sneaking. They just literally blatantly walk right through the gate in some cases. It's all young men, like military-aged men. And there's other videos now circulating on X showing these people have gift cards and visa cards, and they've got wads of cash. Where, where are they getting it from? Where are they, where's this money coming from? Who's funding this? All right. On January 31st, a account by the name Loki posted a link to the Gazette. I don't know which publication this is, some in independent publication. And a Paul Bedard of the Washington Examiner commented on it. And the headline is this, taxpayers funding immigrant trips north, envelopes of cash for whatever they want. The media is silent on this. So what does this mean? Where, where, who, where is all these people are coming across the border and they've got pockets of cash? These aren't like, you know, this isn't like their life savings. Well, here's how it's working, folks. The United States government, and this isn't a, some cons conspiracy theory. This is, you can look it up online and see. We're legitimately sending money to the United Nations. And the United Nations has asylum and immigration departments, those groups are providing grants to non-government organizations known as NGOs who are operating in South America, strategically located, who are recruiting people and actually giving people like money to venture north. Hey, go to America. They'll let you in. It's just bizarre. Is this, so is this intentional? I, I, you know, it'd be great to have some comment on this and to get some reaction from different people, but it's just something to look at. Like, it, so in other words, U.S. taxpayer dollars are actually funding the migrant caravans. And you keep hearing this policy, like, oh, we need to get the Senate and the Congress has to pass a new bill so Biden can enforce the border. Well, look, that's complete fluff. The existing immigration laws can be enforced by the commander-in-chief and by the executive branch of the federal government. Okay, do they need more officers? Maybe, but they've got officers. The officers are being told to stand down, cut down the barbed wire. 
block Texas from enforcing its own border. How, you know, it's just total garbage. There's so many lies. The Speaker of the House just yesterday posted a spreadsheet of dated actions that, quote, undermine border security and encourage illegal immigration. And it goes all the way back to January 20th, 20, 2021. President Biden terminated the national emergency at the Southwest Border Proclamation, thereby halting emergency construction of the border wall. Same day. President Biden issues executive order further entrenching the unlawful deferred action for childhood arrivals program. Biden unveiled the U.S. Citizenship Act, which provide amnesty to millions of illegals in the U.S., demonstrating intent to reward illegal behavior. And it goes on and on and on. Blocks a 100-day moratorium on deportations. So what's happening is the laws are loose, but they're being exploited. I, I could just go on, but you can, I've, and I've republished a link to this spreadsheet. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. You know, Center for Disease Control, February 17th, exempts unaccompanied children. What does that mean? Unaccompanied children. Well, who's, somebody's bringing them. These, you know, coyotes that they call them, these traffickers bring them in. Look, I'm all about helping kids and I'm all about providing asylum. But Wow. The March 16, 2021, Secretary Maricas delivered remarks effectively explaining the border is open for illegal immigration by stating DHS's focus would be on processing illegal aliens, in other words, catch and release, and the creation of new lawful pathways. So the sitting secretary that is in charge of border security basically says, our focus is not turning people around or deporting, but it's on processing Catch and release and the creation of law, quote, lawful pathways. Anyway, yeah, I'm going to try not to be too negative, but holy cow, what are we doing? I don't get it. All right, some other headlines. Let's see. I promise you I'm going to find some positive stuff to read here, but there's just so much crazy things going on. It's, it's really, I think it's important for people to know, and so that's why I'm covering it. And that's why I want to talk about some of this stuff. Let's see here. Lots of elections. You guys really have to do this. Now, I one person I enjoy following, his Twitter handle, his X handle is Seth Dillon. Now, Seth is the one of the co-founders of the Babylon Bee. And they're just hilarious. They have a way of being political, of making excellent points, but doing so in a, in a manner that is funny and sarcastic. And they have a, a deep, you know, they have Christian roots, which is great. Here's a funny headline, and it's it's ridiculous, but it's funny. I think it's funny anyway. Conservatives, and this is quote, conservatives uncover Democrat plot to turn Taylor Swift into an international pop star and the Kansas City Chiefs into a dynasty so Swift could date a Chiefs player and leverage the collective media coverage to get Joe Biden reelected. Woo! Now, that was a headline. Now, it's a joke. You might not know that when you read the headline. It's ridiculously long. And David Leavitt, a a very liberal commentator who has some funny posts of his own but likes to likes to rip on conservative side of things, quotes, how did this title get by an editor? And then he put, someone was paid to type this. And he's very serious. And then Seth Dillon replies, he's right. The headline is too long and convoluted. It almost reads like a joke. And that's the whole point. It is a joke. Anyway, if you're not on X, 
you're really missing out. And you get there's there's a lot of negative stuff on there, but there's a lot of positive stuff. You know, look, I it's just it's just fun to look at. So, okay, Chairman Fed Powell comes out and the Senate Democrats repost this. They love it. Let's be honest. Quote, this is a good economy, says Chairman Powell. And boy, should you read the comments that come under that. And it's amazing to see, you know, you know, one comment, and this is one that is just, you know, anytime a politician or a bureaucrat opens with the words, let's be honest, you know, usually there's a question mark there. And then there's quotes that go on to say, yeah, great economy, $7 eggs, $4 gas, 50% increase in electricity, open borders, fentanyl crisis, toxic spills everywhere in World War III. Hopefully we're not quite there yet with World War III. And what, what's happening at the Texas border? You know, for a few days, if you were on X, all we heard about was this standoff between the federal government and the governor of Texas ordering his his National Guard troops to the border to police the border because the, the Border Patrol wasn't doing so. And there was all these headlines that Texas is ignoring the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court issued a, a ruling, not on the merits of the lawsuit between a DHS and Texas, but rather just a, a limited ruling, recu- uh, sending the matter back down to the lower courts. And it said, the federal government is permitted to cut barbed wire to remove barbed wire from the border. And that was it. It didn't say anything about Texas being allowed to put barbed wire up. It didn't say anything about Texas not being allowed to put barbed wire up or that Texas was not allowed to also police its border with Mexico. And so that part was left out. The headline in the associated media and and the mainstream media was Texas ignores Supreme Court ruling. And then people are commenting, well, if Texas is going to do that, we can uh, ignore Dobbs. We can start performing abortions in our states. Whoa, nobody even bothered to read the opinion. It's just amazing how quickly things get twisted, but it's really eye-opening when you pay attention and when you are able to to watch in real time. Here's one that was fun. Tom Hanks, this is a, had to be about a year ago, but put out a video. Tom Hanks says he doesn't respect people who won't wear a mask. Thoughts with the question mark. Well, I, I could go on about that one, but it's funny because in the video, he's actually not wearing a mask. So yeah, there's that. Here's one that's big. And if if you listen to the Law of Life Summit videos, which we've posted at X from our summit in DC, you would have heard Thomas More Society talking about some of the criminal cases against pro-lifers that they've been defending. Alliance Defending Freedom also has some. I just I just learned of a new one today. It's not criminal, it's a civil case against a pregnancy center in Vermont where basically the attorney general is coming out saying these pregnancy centers are lying to women. They're dangerous. They're dangerous. They should be shut down. They should be fined. Yeah. And in some cases, there's a similar suit in, in California where the attorney general has come out and, and saying the, the abortion pill reversal that is available is a lie. It doesn't work. It's dangerous to women. And I was talking to Heartbeat International's general counsel about that lawsuit. And she's like, yeah, we, this is actually one we're looking forward to going to court on because we're going to produce babies and actually show, look, here are babies that are here because the moms were able to reverse the abortion pill in, in due time. And, and here are their children. There's proof. How is this lying to women? And what's really fascinating about these cases brought by attorney generals in these different states against these pregnancy centers they keep delaying the case in Vermont and in California, it's not going to trial until 2025. 
the year 2025. That's an over a year from now. So if these pregnancy centers in these pro-life groups are so dangerous, and if they are putting out misinformation, and if the reversal pill is so bad and, and doesn't work, why would they wait so long to bring it to trial? Because they're, they're full of it. They're waiting so long because they're not going to win. They're waiting so long because they brought the case in the first place to score political brownie points with their supporters, with the supporters of the abortion industry, which is a multi-billion dollar lobby. It's just, it's fake. They're lying. Six pro-life activists were found guilty in federal court after being prosecuted by the DOG under the FACE Act for protesting outside a Nashville abortion clinic. Yeah, how scary is that? And people, this guy, Ian Miles Chong, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, his handle is still gray. You know, he's a sort of this, I don't know what he is, if he's a libertarian, a conservative, what, but you know, he doesn't strike me as the most conservative guy in the world, but he, he actually tweeted this, or shared, it, shared it on X. Why isn't this a bigger story, he asked. They're facing over a decade in prison for protesting. This isn't happening in Iran or Afghanistan. It's happening in Nashville. Other commentators have reposted these videos of armed federal agents, you know, coming to, with guns to homes of these pro-lifers with, you know, the rifles and assault rifles, in some cases, um, there's stories of, you know, children being, you know, detained and crying as their dad is taken away in handcuffs. This is like the gulag. It's happening here in the United States. Joel Berry, Joel W. Berry is his handle, tweets, pro-lifers are facing 11 years in prison for singing hymns outside an abortion clinic. And then he posts a video, Hamas supporters shutting down streets in D.C. today. What is happening? We are seeing the persecution, the weaponization of law enforcement at the federal level against, against pro-lifers. Anyway, I love the story of Mark Houck. Those of you remember him, he was basically, his home was like swatted. He, he's the story is, I think he, he won his case ultimately, but it, it was terrifying. Uh, this was a Thomas More client. And I might have the facts wrong. I'm sure some of you listening might remember it better, but something along the lines of they were peacefully praying outside of an abortion clinic and he had his 14-year-old son and one of the escorts at the abortion clinic got into his son's face and started really just screaming. And his mouth was so close, he was probably spitting on the poor kid, screaming these profane remarks and just vulgar, vulgar comments. And dad was there, Mark, put his hand up and said, you, you know, you need to back away from my son. You know, don't touch my son. Don't curse at my son. You know, they're literally sitting on the sidewalk, standing on the sidewalk, praying peacefully. And the guy refused, kept doing it, kept doing it. So Mark put his hand up again and put his hand on the gentleman's chest, sort of, you know, very gently pushed him away. And anyway, the guy flies back, like falls backwards and falls down. And Literally just like acting, you know, it's almost like a, watching a European football soccer games, right? Where these guys fall down and act like they're hurt. The guy gets up, makes a big deal, calls the police. The police get there. They fill out their police report and they're like, you know, there's, that doesn't seem like there's anything here. We're, we're not going to arrest Mark. We don't believe there's anything here. The, they, but they went ahead at the behest of the abortion guy. He wanted to press charges. They went ahead and referred it to the uh, state's attorney who looked at it and refused to bring charges. No, there's nothing here. Well, got to the DOJ and was prosecuted as a hate crime under the FACE Act. SWAT team from the federal government shows up with guns and arrests Mark. And 
it's fascinating. One, one story John Henry Weston tells from LifeSite News, on his way to the squad car, he asked if he could bring a couple things. And I think they said yes. He got his glasses and he told his wife, he's like, yeah, I'm going to need I'm going to need a couple of rosaries. Why would he want a couple of rosaries? <laughs> John Henry Weston laughed and said, because he was going to evangelize on the ride to, to jail. He was going to evangelize the guys that were arresting him. He wanted to bring a couple of rosaries. Wow. You know, look, I'm a coward compared to these people. You know, I, I don't know. It's sad because most of the people that work at, in law enforcement are really great people. They, and maybe I don't know whether they have all the information or not. I don't know whether they are aware of what's happening within their own institutions. You know, most of these people that work for the, for law enforcement are hardworking. They've got families, they've got kids, they've got, you know, health issues, they've got mortgage issues, they've got credit cards. They're just trying to live their life and work, get home at the end of the day, get home safe and protect the person, you know, their brothers and sisters next to them in law enforcement. It's a dangerous job. So they're, they're given reports of, you know, hey, here's somebody that maybe he's got a concealed carry and, you know, we're going to arrest this guy. Do they know? Do they have all the information? I don't know if they do or not. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't. But we know about Kamala Harris and there's some videos of the acting, one of the acting directors at DOJ and that's in charge of prosecuting a lot of these cases. And she's like militant, like, hey, we're going to go after people that are breaking, quote, breaking the law, you know, violating choice, violating abortion rights. Kamala Harris, when she was attorney general in California, sent the SWAT teams to David Delighton and a few other homes. I've talked about this before on this program. Swatted the guy, had him arrested, armed officers. For what? Because he went undercover with cameras to a abortion industry convention and he attempted to procure, to buy fetal body parts or to sell baby body parts. Basically, effectively exposed Fetal body parts trafficking, a baby body parts trafficking is the proper term. And this is a federal crime to sell baby body parts across state lines, to sell for profit. And he actually has video footage of people saying like, yeah, we, you know, the heads are worth more if we are able to abort the baby intact and the arms are worth more and the heart is worth more. And, you know, if it's intact and, you know, a, a severed arm isn't as valuable as a whole, it's just disgusting. These people talking about innocent children as if they're commodities. Not one charge has been filed against Planned Parenthood or the other abortionists that were involved in this scheme. Not one. But David Delighton is facing 10 years in prison. He's been, I think, fined, I don't know how many millions of dollars in civil court. Whoa. Can we, can we change? Can we get back to reality here? Hopefully we can. It's going to take an act of God, though, and I think it's going to take people waking up and realizing what's happening. But again, most people, they have no idea these things are going, oh, they're, they're not using, they're not weaponizing law enforcement. They're not taking people away in the middle of the night or the middle of the day. Yeah, they are right here in this country. Stay tuned. You're listening to Truth Culture Life. We'll be right back, hopefully with some good news. I don't know where it's going to go, but stay with me and I'll be right back. 
If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station, 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas, Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. A warm welcome to our new Catholic Spirit Radio listeners in Rockford. We hope you are inspired and informed by our quality programs. Tell others about Catholic Spirit Radio now heard in the Rockford area on 88.9 FM and Catholic Spirit SpiritRadio.com. All right, welcome back to Truth Culture Life. I am Royce Hood. Yeah, I've been talking about all sorts of things. I've basically just been rambling for the last half hour. John, how you doing? Working the working the gears in the in the station. I'm sure. I hope everybody's good at Catholic Spirit Radio. It's so so much fun to be here. I, this is sort of a promo for X.com. The mainstream media would have you believe that under Musk's leadership, X has diminished in value, has lost advertisers and so forth. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's maybe the advertisers part is true, at least temporarily, but it's amazing. The stuff that you're, you can get on X real time, real information from real people. For example, there, you know, a fire breaks out and you've got people with their phones, citizen journalists with their phones, giving you the information live. You'll hear about it in the mainstream headlines, maybe two days later. And a lot of times they spin it, but there's a lot of good stuff on there too. For some reason, I I would, you know, I need to probably focus solely on like Catholic evangel, you know, evangelization on positive stuff. I can't help it. I guess I need to I need to add political commentator to my bio tagline because I can't help it when I see political nonsense going on 
maybe it's the lawyer in me. I like to argue. I, I can't help it. I feel like I have to say something, but there's good stuff too. So there's Joshua Charles is somebody I follow and his handle is Joshua T. Charles. He is really interesting. He was actually a speech writer at the White House under the Trump administration, Protestant, militantly Protestant guy. And he experienced a, a what I would refer to as sort of a radical conversion to the Catholic Church. And this guy is amazing because I'm sure he could be a political commentator too. And it takes discipline not to be if you have those inclinations. He focuses solely on sharing his faith. And so it's amazing the snippets that you get. In fact, we we had one of his co-authors on this program a few weeks back. And Joshua is a, a, an author and has amazing books published. <clears throat> Here's a quote that he put out about three hours ago. Jesus did not establish religious pluralism. He established his church, gave it the authority to bind and loose, said it would never be defeated. He'd be with it until his return. It was his body. He would guide it into all truth. And it will. It, and it was the pillar and the bulwark of the truth. Well, it's a mouthful. But yeah, Joshua Charles, he, he has got some super, super cool stuff. And he actually has a website, joshuatcharles.com, number one, New York Times, number one selling author, historian, concert pianist, and he's got a JD. Well, pretty cool. Let's see, he's got a couple other ones that honor. He does regularly get into debates with, with people that are Protestant and some people that he probably knew. And they're, they're sort of fun, but he's, he's, like, he's hard to argue with really hard to argue with. But here's one. He's just made a post about St. John Chrysostom. Let's see. Did I say that right? I don't know if I said it right or not. St. John Chrysostom, C-H-R-Y-S-O-S-T-O-M. Forgive me. I'm going to say that wrong. While he was in Antioch, delivered a homily on the confirmation of St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was ordained by St. Peter as the second bishop of the city. In section four of that homily, he says the following about both St. Peter and the city of Antioch during his time there. Quote, at all events, the masters of the whole world, Peter, to whose hands he, Christ, committed the keys of heaven, whom he commanded to do and bear all, he bade tarry here, Antioch, for a long period. Thus, in his God's sight, our city was equivalent to the whole world. And he goes on to say, it was remarkable that he says three things about St. Peter. One, he was master of the whole world. He was individually given the keys of heaven by Christ. And the city from which Peter exercised his governance of the church while he was there was equivalent to the whole world, past tense. It's impossible to imagine this would no longer be the case once the master of the world had gone to Rome, which would then become equivalent to the whole world, befitting this great father's description of St. Peter in his office and what its presence had done to the status of Antioch while he was there. Interesting. So in other words, and you can, you know, take anything you want from that. But in other words, this is dealing with the the true church created by Christ himself through St. Peter, right? And the keys of St. Peter. And it's the kind of stuff that you can get on here. It's just so interesting. So I would encourage you if you're listening Check it out. Go to x.com and follow me. Let me know that you've heard this program and then click follow by my name so that I know. And and you can reach out to me and say, hey, what's up, Royce? And I'm going to reply back. I'm going to be like, yo, what's up? And actually, I'm going to start posting more video content 
on my page at X. So look for at Royce Hood, at Royce Hood on X.com. You can also follow the Law of Life Summit on there, which is just at Law of Life Summit. And I've posted under, if you go to my profile and you click on media at X.com at Royce Hood, you will see um, some number of media things that I've posted, pictures and different things. But one of the things I have on there, if you scroll down a little bit, you will see videos from the Law of Life Summit that we just held that has the full talks. There's three videos featuring the fire hose with numerous pro-life leaders. We've got Abby Johnson sharing her trailer, which I played snippets of this last week on this program. And then the really cool legal panel from Thomas More Society. So be sure to check that out. I'm also working on some new music. I hope to get back into the studio soon, but chances are good the way my schedule is, it's going to be like April before I do. I've got songs literally that just need to be finished. And I've got new songs that I want to record, but I'm thinking of switching things up a bit. I'm hoping to record a song in particular that I'm working on, which is about students with learning disabilities or learning challenges, as I like to say. In many ways, it's a song about me. It's a song about one of my sons. It's a song about every kid out there who thinks differently, who looks out the window. I'm kind of praying about this, but I'm, I'm thinking I would really like to record it in Nashville and work with somebody that can kind of take my sound from like this rock, sort of pop rock sound to like a more modern sound with my acoustic guitar and my singing, maybe with some cool, a cool beat in the background. And there's some producers I'm talking to in Nashville. So keep that in your prayers. That song is not necessarily religious, although the, one of the lyrics is God has a plan, I know. It's, it's really like an inspirational song. Like, hey, it doesn't matter if you think differently. It doesn't matter if you learn differently. Focus on you. Focus on being the best you can be. Use your talents for good. God has a plan and you can do anything. I just, I love kids so much and I see so many kids struggling with school and different things. And, and that's something else we need to talk about more. And I've, I've only got a bit, minute or two left. It's amazing just rambling how quickly the time goes by. You're listening to Roy Sid at Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. If you haven't done so, be sure to download the Catholic Spirit Radio app. And I want to know if you're listening. Shoot me an email. You can reach me at royce at lawlife.org. That's royce at lawlife.org. Like, seriously, I'm going to be... If you're listening, I'm going to be mad at you if you don't email me. I, I want to know that you're, you're listening to this program, and I'd love to get to know my listeners a bit better. I and mean, be sure to support Catholic Spirit Radio. It's, I mean, look, Illinois is insane, right? We would, we would be a better state if we could like sell Chicago to Canada. I wonder if they'd buy it. But in the meantime, we are what we are. And there's so many great people here on all sides of politics. They're good people. I, I see them all the time. You can't always, you know, people always, people have different opinions on different things. Truth, however, is grounded in, in truth. It's grounded in our theology in the Catholic church and that, and it's just so important to have this, this Catholic spirit radio here in central Illinois. It's a blessing to be a part of it. Anyway, I, I want to focus for the last minute that I've got on Catholic education and I'm going to see if I can read something here. Give me one second. This is a letter my wife and I are working on. And I feel funny reading it on the radio, but I feel like it needs to be an open letter in many ways. And I'm not going to say who it's to, but 
dear church leaders in school, you know, Catholic church school leaders, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to say who it's to, so I'm trying to change that. Please note this letter is intended as an instrument of charity. We hope this correspondence sparks some ideas on a fruitful path forward. Catholic Schools Week has been going on all week. It's both exciting and also heartbreaking for our family. Last week, we listened to our, our pastor's homily at church at Mass, and we heard our niece speak about the importance of Catholic education. But my wife and I could not help but feel a bit slighted, frustrated, and even a bit angry. These feelings we've even brought to confession. You know, we were told that our, our community is told how important it is to grow our children in the Catholic environment where they can grow their relationship with Jesus, but not for our son. He doesn't fit in. And it is so frustrating. We have six children, seven on the way. We've got a uh, number seven on the way, actually, in June. We've got three in heaven. But one of our sons, who, by the way, wants to be in Catholic school the most, he loves the sacraments, he somehow isn't there. He doesn't qualify because he learns a little bit differently. He needs a little bit more help than other kids. He's very, very smart. He just learns things differently. As a parish and as a school community, we have managed to build beautiful churches. We built a beautiful school. Some of these schools even have enrichment offices and staff for students who do extra well. But what about students who need a little bit more help? The understanding is that full-time services are needed, but most Catholic churches simply don't have the budget. Catholic schools don't have the budget for special needs or you know, experts in education that can help kids with dyslexia, perhaps, or ADHD. And churches and schools are amazing. They do these galas and these fundraisers, and we're able to build things. But where's the sense of urgency when it comes to our children and making sure children, all children, are included in Catholic education? Look, and, and I'm sort of rambling a bit as I'm reading this letter because I'm not reading every part of it. I'm skipping around slightly. But, you know, I think about St. Cabrini. She never refused to help anybody. Think about even Jesus. You know, he didn't, you know, when somebody said, you know, Lord, will you help me? He didn't say, oh, you know, sorry, I don't have the resources to help you. He figured it out. He helped, he helped everybody, right? He loves everybody. What are we doing to figure it out? Each Catholic school, I feel like, needs to have somebody on staff that can help. And no kid should be turned away, ever. If we care about the souls of our children, the last thing we need to be doing is sending them away from the Catholic Church. So I'll leave you with that. I'm out of time. You're listening to Royce Hood at Catholic Spirit Radio. How did we become Like frogs in a pot of water